A website is never finished, especially a B2B tech website. Welcome to Forward Slash, the podcast that explores how B2B tech companies can leverage their websites to achieve fast, efficient, predictable, and scalable growth. In each episode, I take a big issue affecting the B2B tech landscape and then pick the brains of marketing leaders around the world to learn how the issue affects the questions B2B tech marketers should be asking about their websites and how to answer them. Let's get into it. Tara Robertson, head of demand generation at Chili Piper. Um, I believe that was a, a recent promotion. Yeah, it was just um, a couple of weeks ago now, so very recent. Awesome, awesome. Well, congratulations on that. Um, I'm a huge fan. I've been following you for a few months now, and uh, I, I think another several actually congratulations. I'm noticing that you're popping up on a lot of um, lists as far as B2B marketers to, to, to follow on, on LinkedIn. And it's just, uh, you're up there with a lot of, lot of big names, a lot of big leaks and nicely done on that. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, obviously demand generation. There's a lot of kind of an interesting, uh, we're entering an interesting year. Um, you know, 2022 was, was, uh, a strange time, but I think a, a good place to start to kind of frame this conversation is just, uh, learn about you and, and, and Chili Piper and what it is you guys do and who it's for. So if you just, if you don't mind just starting there. Yeah, that's actually a really great segue because I've heard a lot since I joined Chili Piper that people see our name, like you said, on lists on LinkedIn, we're really active in communities, but they don't always know what we do. So that's one mm -hmm. thing that obviously as taking on the role of head of demand is kind of my job to help fix in the next <laughs> year or so. Um, so just to keep it super high level, Chili Piper helps B2B revenue teams just book more meetings. So if you're a marketer, we help you book more meetings right from your demo form. So right from your website. And if you're an outbound sales rep, we can help you book meetings from your outreach, from your emails. And then we also manage the handoff process. So if you have an outbound SDR team booking meetings for your AEs, we can manage that handoff. And then also say you bring on a new customer, you want to hand them off from an AE to onboarding, we can manage that too. So really just removing a lot of friction in the buyer journey and keeping it super simple to become a customer. And who's your primary buyer? Usually it's the demand gen team. So usually it's sure. people in marketing, whoever owns the website is usually really involved. And more and more, we're seeing that CROs and VPs of sales, especially you did at this, but um, it with numbers being tougher to hit these days, sure. um, people are looking for kind of any way they can remove friction from that process and bring their AEs more meetings, get more qualified people on their calendars. Um, you've been at Chili Piper for a little bit now. I'm curious what that journey has kind of looked like internally. And if there is anything kind of interesting to share before you got to Chili Piper, we'd be kind of curious to learn about that. Sure. Yeah. So I'm actually based in Toronto. So there's quite a few Canadian startups up here, but Mm -hmm. For the pandemic, it wasn't too easy to get a job at an American startup. So that kind of opened up the doors for me to be able to work remotely. So I was lucky to find Chili Piper. They, we technically aren't based anywhere. We're fully remote. So the founders are in gotcha. New York, but we hire literally all over the world. So I was really lucky to find a company that could hire me because a lot of companies do have some issues around hiring with outside the state. So that was lucky. Mm -hmm. um, I did kind of come across the company in a couple different ways. One, um, I worked with someone named Jason, who was their head of product marketing in the past. And we worked together at a company called Uberflip out of Toronto. So I knew a little bit about the company through Jason. But when a recruiter reached out to me, I actually connected with Kaylee, who was the head of demand gen a couple of years ago now. Um, and she really sold me on the role. I'm one of those people that I try to 
find the manager first and the company second. And she just was an awesome person to learn from. So got really excited about kind of taking over her shoes when she left as well. So I learned as much as I could while she was here. And then when she moved on, I'm kind of taking over her shoes and seeing what we can do differently. Cool. Okay. So I uh, would like to dive in here. Um, if we can start, start pretty high level uh, as the head of uh, demand generation at Chili Piper, I'm curious mm-hmm. what parts of the buyer journey are you responsible for? Is it really just acquisition and activation or does it kind of go a little, little bit deeper there? Yeah. So I would say my focus is mainly new customer acquisition. Obviously, things are changing and we want to be able to retain customers, expand, cross-sell. So I'm not super involved in the customer expansion side, but as a marketing team, we are supporting our account managers and our CSMs on that front, Mm -hmm. but they still do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of, oh, this customer mentioned on a call, they could potentially have a use case for this other tool. Let's get on the phone with them and see if it makes sense. So we're trying to figure out how as a marketing team, we can support what they're already doing without kind of stepping on their toes and making sure that we support them on things like customer marketing, our cab that we have. So we have a meeting of that in a couple of weeks. So trying to figure out where we can support them, but also nobody wants to be over communicated with right now, especially Mm. from vendors, everyone's busy. So we're trying to kind of balance that. Gotcha. Um, Curious what your KPIs look like. Is it and this is this is like a whole other conversation that we can get into. <laughs> yeah, as far you can as get like, pretty deep. Yeah, yeah. As far as like MQLs, SQLs, and 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 that's actually something that that's really interesting. As far as like anybody who says that MQLs are dead, I, I think there's kind of a they're missing the point a little bit. But um, back to the original question, um, I'm curious what what are your KPIs? Is it mostly revenue generated? Is it more so like like SAL, SQL? Curious about that. Yeah, so we actually track a metric that was new to me when I joined. We call it QHM, so it's qualified held meetings. So it's essentially Mm -hmm. a step beyond MQL, but it's people who are qualified. So obviously we use our own tool to qualify them and then book them on a meeting with an AE. So if they do show up to that meeting, they're qualified and there's an opportunity, then we get that counted as a metric as a QHM for us as a marketing team. One thing that we've shifted this year is instead of that being our main metric, we're really focused on pipeline. So In the past, it was obviously we need to get those meetings booked, but now we're focusing on going more at market, trying to get bigger customers that will stick with us for longer versus just a lot of the smaller ones that there's a lot of tools on the market they could play around with. And we want to be someone that will stick with them for the long term as they grow and they're expanding their team. Gotcha. You said said QHM and what does that stand for again? QHM, Qualified Held Meeting. So the meeting has actually happened. Gotcha. Cool. Um, What do the leading indicators for that kind of KPI look like? Mm -hmm. So when we started tracking last year with our data team, we call it first engagements. And it's basically the first time that we as a marketing team can track a qualified new account doing something with us, whether it's Mm. they joined our newsletter subscription, maybe they followed us on LinkedIn. Obviously booking a demo is further down, but sometimes that's the first engagement. So we're working with our data team on using metrics from snowplow and trying to pull those into mode so that we can see, obviously we would love to just bring in pipeline right away from everyone, but that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing things like gated content that we are really not huge fans of here, we found other ways to work around that. So first engagements is the way that we're tracking that. Gotcha. That's a great segue into kind of the first area they like to explore. It's, uh, you know, 2023 Well, 2022 happened (laughs) and, um, (laughs) it did, you know, yeah. There is, there's a lot of, I think, paradigm shifts that are going on, at least discussions at a high level as far as like 
what like the writing on the wall, what needs to happen, and um, kind of what we were talking about as far as like an MQL is dead. A lot of people are 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 saying this, and I think that's a little bit mm -hmm. of a, a, a generalization. Um, you know, it's if we want to look at this from a high level, it's we can say that it's marketing's job to generate demand that sales can then turn into money. You know, that's what that MQL is, is just understanding mm -hmm. what demand is. And that's what we're talking about now. And I, I, I have a, I'm curious what you think here. I just wanted to frame my first question um, in a particular light. And that's, that's kind of the reality of B2B SaaS. You know, it's hyper competitive, especially if you're in MarTech, especially if, mm -hmm. you know, Chili Piper, what you guys are doing, it's a, it's a pretty competitive market, I'm assuming. Um, those markets are shrinking, right? Longer sales cycles. It's harder to get people to open up their wallets. We're just being a little bit um, stingier with uh, with with the tech that that they're buying. And then you have this new understanding of the dark funnel and how only twenty percent of the, the buyer journey includes the the um, suppliers, right? And I believe that's a Gartner mm -hmm. um, statistic. So as head of demand generation, I'm curious what you think about this because it, it, to me it seems like a lot of B two B SaaS demand generation initi initiatives don't reflect that reality, right? It's a lot of demo requests, ad campaigns as like the first touch, um, ebook downloads that get pushed to sales directly. So it it feels like we're doing everything that we can to start sales conversations, even though that's precisely what buyers today don't necessarily want, at least right away. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, it's 2023 and some companies are starting to run out of runway, right? There isn't as much capital out there. I'm curious how you think about that from a lead generation standpoint. How should companies be thinking about go to market, you know, like in general right now with all this stuff going on? Yeah, I think you're right. It's tricky. I'm definitely of, I just, I believe that you can't force someone down your journey or your funnel, whatever you want to call it. Um, so we really, as marketers have to just make it as easy as possible to buy from us when you want to buy from us. I don't think we can force you to, or trick you into filling out a form and all of a sudden, oh, you're in our funnel. Like, here we go. Mm -hmm. Everything's great. I just don't really believe that that works long-term. It might work for a couple months, but I think you're just going to end up aggravating people, honestly. Um, so one way that we look at it is really, we really bought into obviously dark social, dark funnel last year. We were talking about that a lot. And now what we're trying to do is, okay, we invested in all these communities and events at the time budget wasn't top of, I mean, we measured it, but it wasn't top of mind for us as a concern. Now, obviously things have changed. So what we're doing is trying to marry what we know works from the data side. And I mentioned we're using mode and working really closely with our data team to help on things that we can track. And on things that we can't track, we're just spending more time actually asking people how they found us. So sounds like really basic and marketing maybe 20 years ago, but literally asking on our forums, hey, where did you first hear about Chili Piper? And we're noticing that Certain investments we made last year are coming up a lot. Certain certain ones are not coming up at all. So it's making it pretty clear what we can cut and what we can get away with cutting right now. So what I'm working on as a big priority for Q1 is marrying those self-reported insights with the data that we have on the website and figuring out, okay, now that we know a lot of people are finding us from, say, our customer referral links, how can we maximize that and make that buyer journey super clear and effective? So we know we drive thousands of website visitors from people literally booking a demo with our customers. So how can we make it super clear how they can get that on their website and make that a really clear journey? Sure. I, I am curious what you're seeing. Um, you know, I, I don't want to, we don't have to get too granular here, but um, mm -hmm. 
I, I, as far as like what you were doing last year, what was working for you guys? Was it the events? What, what are you finding that's, that's working in dark social? And I'm curious, mm -hmm. uh, you're talking about self-attribution on your form. Is there any discrepancy as far as what you're seeing people saying they came in on and what the data is actually showing? Yeah, it's, it's actually really interesting. The people that some people get super granular and say, oh, I saw this exact customer of yours. I loved the flow. So I booked demo. And then I look at them in HubSpot and that looks like the exact journey that they took because obviously we have UTMs on our customer links and we can see that. And other times people will say, it'll look like they came in from say a Google search uh, according to our data at least. But then on the self-reported side, they'll say, oh, I saw you at HubSpot inbound two years ago. So it's, it's interesting to see the people that remember gotcha. these things, which it, it kind of makes sense. If you think of yourself, if you met someone at an event, you're more likely to remember that than that one time you Googled something, because how often are you <laughs> Googling something? Exactly. Um, so that has been interesting on events because we obviously saw a high return from events in person last year, but we thought we had kind of seen the runway of those events and there's, we're still seeing them come up in forms here and there. So it's a longer cycle than we expected or that I expected. Yeah, and that's what I'm curious about. Um, I mean, every situation is gonna be different, but at the end of the day, you need to create that runway. Mm -hmm. Where does where does patience come in as far as we need we need to let the demand team do their thing and create this demand? And it's like, how do you have the discussion with leadership as far as like how how far out do you look and like and, and mm -hmm. when you actually start to because you said too, you saw somebody who came into the event two years ago. It's like, okay, does that mean that the sales cycle is two years for some people? And do we have the patience for that? Uh <laughs> just curious what that what that conversation should look like. Yeah, that's a great question. Um and it's funny when you say demand team, it's literally two of us. So we need, gotcha. we need to look sure. no patience we can get. Um, yeah, I think it's a balance, obviously. I mean, when you're, especially my role right now, I work directly with a co-founder. That's who I report up to. So they're always going to be pushing you for more results right now. And as a marketer, I have to kind of say, like, we're not a sales team. We have to give people what they actually want and kind of trying to meet them in the middle somewhere, I think is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I do think it's it's always going to be a balance of how fast they want to move and how fast we think we can move. So I'm still kind of working on, like we said, that runway of, hey, we did this event. Have we brought in all the, I don't want to call them leads, but like all the opportunities we could have from that event? Probably not. Maybe we're going to get one more next week. We don't really know. Okay. So it's tough to say, but I think events are also different because you kind of get a feel in person on how it's working and what the reception is to just the events you're running. If we do a lot of offsite events, so happy hours, dinners, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and we've just met really great partners through those that make it worthwhile. Even if we didn't bring in a brand new customer at that exact dinner, we made a new partner that now we work with on the product side or on the go-to-market side. Yeah, that's, um, I'm, I am curious about that as far as the size of events, um, mm -hmm. I, depending on who you talk to, I, I feel like there's this, this perspective where like the mega events really aren't worth it anymore. You know, if you're spending $35,000, dollars uh, to, to sponsor an event, it's like, you really need to, to think about what your approach is there. So you can squeeze every little bit out of it. Are you seeing that also? Uh, is it too early on in the game to make any kind of call there uh, as from Chili Piper's perspective? Yeah, I think pretty early on um, because our co-founders used to go to events and just pitch themselves. They knew the value of in-person, but 
they weren't necessarily sold on us needing a booth at every single big trade show. Mm -hmm. They didn't really have that FOMO <laughs> that some other teams have, which is a good thing. Um, we also were able to come up with creative solutions like partnering with partners, obviously, um, mm. but partnering with companies in our space to offset the cost. So when we host a happy hour, we invite three friendly companies to us and we split the cost versus spending hundred K on a party after Dreamforce. So mm. we're pretty strategic about how we spend that money. And I think that's helped us in the long run, but there are certain events where we just know we have to be there in person and we want to be there on the trade show floor. So that, I would say that list is smaller this year. Um, but there's still a handful that we really want to be at. Are you going to be at B2BMX? Yes, I won't, but the team will. The Are team you going to be there? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like 10 miles away from me. Uh, I'm in Phoenix. Oh, nice. So cool. I think yeah. uh, I, I was actually talking to um, uh, Arthur Castillo, uh, mm -hmm. who, who uh, yeah, I think is a colleague. Yeah, he'll be there um, for sure. So a lot of good stuff there. Kind of a uh, broad question here uh, before we dive into the website because I'm curious about Chili Piper's website and you know current state, future state, you know how it's working, how are you guys approaching that? But I, I think kind of a larger question that I'd like to get your insight on is what's the biggest opportunity from a demand generation standpoint that uh, you know B2B SaaS companies should really be strongly considering? Is it product positioning? Uh, because like, you know, there's, we're obviously in hypersaturated markets where it's like, and, and we see this with, with our clients all the time. It's like, just take a look at your competitors. And it's almost like this, this uh, moment of embarrassment or epiphany or, or, or where it's like, we're seeing the exact same shit that they're saying, right? It's like, how crap, mm -hmm. we need to make a shift here. Uh, pardon my language. Um, but is it a positioning thing? Is it feeding the dark funnel? We're just uh, more um, helpful, actionable kind of content and and like resources. Um, is it investing in community and events, which kind of has an overlap there? Or, you know, from our standpoint, we see the website as the most important marketing asset. Is it investing a little bit more mm -hmm. in that? Or is it all the above? Here's what you, what you <laughs> think there. That's a loaded question. Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, I think it really depends on where your company is and what feedback you're hearing from the market. So I mentioned earlier, we spent, a, I mean, we had a lot of people focused on very top of funnel last year. And even in 2021, um, we had a few people doing social community events. So we, our name was definitely out there, but we were getting the feedback constantly that people didn't know what we did. So for me, that sounds like a messaging issue. It could also be a website issue where they would come to our site and not necessarily right away know what we do. Mm -hmm. But if you're hearing from the market. Oh, I've never seen this brand. I've never heard of you guys before. When you go to an event, then that's probably a totally different <laughs> issue. Um, because what we were hearing at events was people that were huge fans of ours, knew the brand, knew that we had hot sauce to give them, knew our swag, but they didn't know what we did. <laughs> so, and I would get the same comments on LinkedIn. So for me, that's a huge priority for this year is figuring out what our messaging should look like once we've brought those people to the site. Gotcha. What's in plan there? Is it more in interviews with customers? Is it um, integrating with sales and, and product and, and customer success more? Is it all of the above? It's all of the above. Um, yeah. I wish I had a more succinct answer because our team You're is good. Small, no, but it's all of the above. Here, right? <laughs> um, I think at a super high level, I want to make the most of conversations that are already happening with our customers. So instead of me reaching out to customers and saying, Hey, can I talk to you for half an hour about this? I'm trying to make more use of 
tools like Gong, where we're already recording these conversations, setting up more alerts so that when someone mentions a specific, whether it's a newsletter they subscribe to or somewhere that they heard about us, just tracking all of those through Gong so that I get an alert versus, I mean, I don't have an, a day a week to troll through Gong calls. I wish I did, if but I, <laughs> I try to make the most of the, um, the reports as I can of just automating that a little bit. So that's one thing that we're working on. And then we do have a customer research team. So working with them on potentially rolling out jobs to be done. I wouldn't say that we have a ton of learnings from that yet, but we're really looking to switch from, Hey, you're a demand gen marketer. So this messaging must work for you, or this will resonate for you because we just know that marketers are trying to do a lot of different things right now, especially with, mm -hmm. obviously we've talked about budgets shrinking, but some teams are still growing. And so maybe that messaging wouldn't resonate with them. So we need to figure out what that messaging should be for different people. I'd, I'd like to learn a little bit about your website. I'm curious, first of all, uh, as the head of demand generation, where does the website fall uh, in, in your purview and what kind of conversations mm -hmm. do you have mm -hmm. about it with your team? Yeah, that's a good question. So in the past, our team has changed quite a lot in the last couple of months. In the past, it was really owned by our GTM team, which is essentially product marketing. So they were owning overall the website. And then I, as a demand gen person would own like say landing pages that we used in paid campaigns, landing pages that we would send people via email. Um, things have, like I said, things have changed. So I'm more involved in the website now, but we do have, I'm really lucky <laughs> to work with someone on the CRO side who is super technical. So he actually rolls cool. out a lot of our website changes directly. Um, we switched to Webflow late last year and I'm not super up to speed on it yet. Still kind of figuring things out myself, but he has been just amazing at taking over a ton. So he runs our AB testing as well that we do separately. Um, and then also, obviously we're always looking to just make improvements to the site in general. Are there any weaknesses or points of improvement, like right off the top that, or just lessons that you learned, um, you know, as you, as you're ramping up this, this initiative? Uh, I guess if we want to keep it to like a, the, the B2B SaaS standpoint, but I feel like this can be, you know, lessons for just B2B in general, mm -hmm. um, just like weaknesses or, or points of improvements when it comes to websites from a demand generation standpoint. Yeah. So early last year, and this again is like, keeps coming up, but we kept getting feedback that people didn't fully understand what we did still. And like mm -hmm. how we were different from say someone in the B2C side, who was just a scheduling tool. They didn't really understand the difference. So we started leaning much more heavily on video. So now if you go to our site, almost every page has a different video right in the header to explain not just what we do, but also like how we could work with you as say you're a demand gen marketer, then we have a separate video for a sales VP. So trying to really lean into video and we're lucky to have a strong video team, which has been super helpful in making that happen really quickly. Because in the past, that's been kind of a headache for me of getting videos. Sure. Done time. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's a heavy lift. Um, mm -hmm. For sure. A little bit tangential to the, the whole video idea. One thing that I am noticing tech companies taking advantage of is it's not necessarily video, but it's a video aspect, but it's, um, uh, Nevadic specializes in this, if you're familiar with Nevadic, uh, on-demand or, or dynamic demos. Mm -hmm. um, curious about your insight there. Any plan to, to, to play around with them or test them? Or is, I'm curious, like, actually, I, what, what I am curious about, first of all, is what, how does uh, Chili Piper look at itself? Is it a sales-led motion? Is it marketing? Is it uh, product-led? I'm assuming it's sales-led. <laughs> 
It's a great question. Do you know when this will be coming out timing wise? Say again. That impacts my answer. Do you know around when you'll be publishing this episode? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's going to change. <laughs> gotcha. Um, this month. <laughs> okay. So maybe uh, I can't speak to it too much, but I'll just say we are at an interesting time where right now we're about 50, 50 marketing or inbound and sales led right now. Um, but we will be rolling out a PLG motion in the next few months, which will, I'm thinking, let just allow way more people to play around with our product, which right now we can't do. Sure, sure. So that'll be really um, exciting. So that's why we've held off on the interactive demo element, just because we've known this was coming. But I would love to get my hands on something like a Nevatic, or I know there's others in that space. Right, right. Okay, cool. One of the one of the areas that I have really been diving into, and this kind of uh, brings in the whole idea of jobs to be done and really understanding, you know, getting granular with, with, uh, with customers. And, and we're only starting to this also, like, this is something that I, that I kind of found a month ago. And, um, I've actually been, uh, collaborating a little bit with strategens head of growth. His name is, uh, John Dome, and they're the people that actually pioneered this, but strictly from like a resources standpoint, I feel that websites aren't what they could be. And I see this as a huge potential from a demand generation standpoint, right? Like you, most companies should have a blog, right? Um, but I find that that's mostly like how to and what is content. And <laughs> I, I think I think there's been there's more of a transition now into like creating templates and and calculators and 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 toolboxes, um, kind of really understanding all the little finite things that your customers are trying to get done that kind of surround your product. Do you agree with that? Do you do you think that websites just aren't what they could be um, from a demand generation standpoint? Yeah, I think you're right, especially the. I mean, a lot of blogs that I go to still are very much like, here's why our CEO created this tool or like, here's how our CEO did this. And it, that's just not really helpful to me as a buyer. I want to know what your customers are doing. And that's where obviously templates can be so useful. We talk about all the time, like what else can we make that people would find useful? Can we build some kind of like greater for people's demand gen programs? Can we give them templates? Can we, what are mm -hmm. we doing internally that we can kind of almost productize as an offer? So we talk about that a lot. I think we're still trying to figure out what that looks like for us, but pretty much anytime we share something internally, that's like a really useful resource. Like we use Airtable right now to mm -hmm. manage our AB tests and what's coming up on the AB testing front. So that's the kind of thing that I want to start making available externally as a resource to people. And even in the communities I'm in, just on Slack communities, people are always sharing resources and templates and those get a ton of traction versus a blog post or interview style content. Yeah, that, that kind of content is just going to perform a lot better in, in the dark funnel, mm. right? I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great way to get some evangelism behind your brand without having anybody buy your product. Ahrefs does this really well, I think. Mm, it's like I've I've yeah. had I've had people um, recommend me Ahrefs, and they themselves have never actually used the product. They just know <laughs> all about it because the content around it is so good, and they know what to expect. Um, mm. I think that's really the future of websites. It's just like this support ecosystem, if you will, more than just like products, like heavy 
one pagers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like one pagers, which is yeah. good. You're not going you can't survive mm-hmm. without that, right? At the end of the day, like you need a home page, you need solution pages, industry page, about us page. But it's like there's so much more other stuff out there that that I think from a demand generation standpoint we could be doing. And we're just we're starting to scratch that surface. Yeah, on. one thing we're playing around with too. Well, I shouldn't say playing around, we're further along than that, but it's not live yet. Um, is we're doing a bunch of different playbooks on basically just we have so many different ways that you can use our product. So not necessarily mm-hmm. to sell it to you, but more to show like, here's how this customer is doing X with us plus our Clearbit integration, plus this other integration. And then we're cool. pairing all of those into more of a story than like you said, a product, like one pager or just a comparison chart kind of page. Totally. Uh, how's the university going? That's a resource that I was kind of interested in. I, I imagine that's more mm-hmm. so from like an activation retention standpoint, or is that playing any kind of uh, demand generation role as well? Yeah, that's a good question. Right now, we're pretty focused on getting our existing customers to use it and play around with it, including ourselves internally. We pretty much every time a new one comes out, we all try to get it done as fast as mm-hmm. we can internally, just to try it out first. Um, we haven't done a ton on the demand gen or kind of like net new with that. I, I do think there's something there. It's it's always tough to get someone who isn't a customer to spend time on a resource that focused on yourselves or your own product. Sure. Um, so I'm hoping that one day we can release one that's more high level of just kind of like demand gen basics or conversion ba- basics and get people in the funnel that way. Cool. Very cool. I really appreciate your time. I've got a couple of rapid fire questions for you. If, uh, if you can hang around for a little bit longer. Sure. Yeah. Um, I I've been kind of with each passing episode, I just like, Oh, I should ask that at the, at the very end. Cause you know, this is like a segment <laughs> that I've picked up on a lot of what people are doing. It's like, that's, that's kind of fun. Um, it's hard to come up the... with new ones all at once. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm curious about is, uh, I can't remember who I got this question from, but I really liked it. What is something about mm-hmm. you that makes you successful that somebody wouldn't be able to find on like your LinkedIn profile or your, uh, your resume? Hmm. I think I definitely would, don't think I would put this on my LinkedIn, but I just get stuff done. <laughs> like, I know that sounds sure. really basic, but it's surprising to me the amount of people I work with who just talk about things or build decks or brainstorm but I if we leave a meeting and say we're going to do something then I'm the person that goes and starts doing it so um maybe I'll put it in a sauna maybe I'll do it myself but usually it's going to get done if we talked about it in a meeting action oriented (laughs) yeah that's that's one way to put it yeah that's what I can put on my LinkedIn (laughs) uh what's something that you're really passionate about in your personal life um I have two rescue dogs so I just think everyone should consider rescue if you're going to get a pet best way to get them and yeah they're the best especially (laughs) totally yeah um it's a good way to get those was it the the serotonin increase (laughs) just like cuddling with your with Mm -hmm. your puppies um cool no i agree what do you wish more b2b SaaS marketers did more of i don't know if we've talked about this yet but i think one thing i would love to see more of is people sharing just big flops so things they tested that didn't do well i think there's a reason that people stop talking about best practices because they stop working after a while. Um, right. So I'd love to just hear what people are doing that they tried that really flopped because maybe it'll work for someone else. So agreed. And kind of overlapping with that is uh, this idea of building in public. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, you see, you see uh, people like Camille Trent over at Peer Signal doing this. Just a lot more people are, are being 
um, very vulnerable and, and just like posting ideas and their whole processes, mm-hmm. which, you know, I feel like depending on who you talk to, they're like, uh, that's just like too much information. We can't give away the secret sauce. Um, do you, do you agree with that? I think it definitely has overlap with what I was talking about. I think one thing that I see, especially on LinkedIn more than anywhere else is just everything is like perfect or we're hitting our numbers. Everything's great. And <laughs> And you hear all that. So then when you do see the news about like, say layoffs, for example, it looks so jarring on your feed to see those two things. So I would just love to see more of kind of that gray area of people just figuring things out as they go. Cool. Um, And who are your favorite people to follow? Where do you get your, your insights from? Yeah. So speaking of building in public, I think the guys at Metadata do a ton of that. Um, Jason and Mark share a lot of what they're learning behind the scenes, really like their stuff, especially their podcast. Um, and then also someone I know personally, Emrita Mether, she's the VP marketing at Superside, and they're doing some really interesting stuff on not just demand gen, but their whole go-to-market is just really interesting to follow. Uh, and then obviously demand gen chat is a great resource. Anybody listening, uh, check it out. Um, by the way, quick question on that. Do you do most of the production yourself or who do you use for, for, for that side? Yeah. So we have a video guy, Nolan internally, okay. who helps me clean it up, but we also use okay. Descript or Descript. <laughs> you right, said right. Descript like, earlier and I'm questioning <laughs> if I'm saying it right. Um, so we kind That's of fair. both will make notes in there and then he cleans up the final files. Have you used the functionality where it learns your voice and then you add that into no. your discussions yet? Okay. I've, I haven't. Uh, that sounds creepy though. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It's a little bit creepy, but I, I, I'm also really intrigued with it. It's hmm. there's like, the, there's this, this little corner in, in, in Descript where it tells you just to talk into a microphone. And then yeah. I guess you, you can um, highlight whenever you upload a file, like where you're showing up in that script and over time it learns your voice. So then you can just like, hmm. oh, I should have, I should have used this word instead of that word. You can go into the file directly. Oh, or you the can document. swap it up. That's I haven't cool. used it yet. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, it we use it to, um, I mean, the filter words thing is what I like it for the most because you realize yes. things that you say and you wish <laughs> you never had to hear yourself say that again. <laughs> so that's really useful to just edit them out. Totally agreed. Uh, so uh, we mentioned how, uh, how Chili Piper is is going to be uh, a part of B2B MX. Are you going mm-hmm. to be at any uh other events or any other events that you want to let listeners know about that, that you guys are going to be participating in? Oh, that's a good question. Yes. Yeah, so we will be at BWMX. We do have some kind of happy hour. So definitely come cool. find us for an invite to that. Um, we're also going to be around a lot of major events like we're at Adobe Summit, Inbound in the fall. And those are the biggest ones. I'm not sure which ones I'll be at yet. I'm missing BWMX because I'm going to be traveling for my honeymoon. Otherwise I'd be there because I haven't been to Scottsdale yet. But- Nicely done. Where are you going? We're going to Costa Rica. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Just for a couple of weeks. Tara, this has been, this has been great. Just, I thank you for letting me just pick your brain around demand generation and, and everything that's kind of in store for Chili Piper. But um, yeah, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks so much, Adam. That was really fun.